If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, all right, here we go. Here we go this morning talking about Trump's latest plans, and specifically now, our governor's governor's, uh, plans for leading us out of coronavirus, COVID-19, back to, I hope and pray, a situation of normalcy. So we'll break that down today. Welcome to the program. As always, you can email me, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash ToddHuffShow. Watch the program live or on demand on Facebook. And it's good to be here. Thank you for joining us on this Friday morning. Friday morning. I want to jump right into it today. I want to jump right into it today, specifically, specifically, with some remarks Trump made last night while talking about reopening the economy. And I guess, again, I've said this before, thankfully, my goodness, thankfully, and I know he's taken some criticism for this. I know he's taken, um, has, has been blamed or... Um, targeted for what he said about reopening the economy. But folks, this has to happen. I I know that you know this. This idea that we can sit here indefinitely with no end in sight, little to no revenue. I guess, you know, this this idea that we can just press a button continually and the money appears from poof, nowhere through the federal government's magic money-making machine is not – we're not on solid ground at that point. I understand I understand that this uh, may be a necessary cost, as much as I hate to say these words, but to avoid – an even even larger problem economically, but it's not a long term solution. This is real money. This is real money. Although more and more people are believing that it's just something the government can artificially control. That is, this is not this is not real. We have to get back to what is real, which is engaging in commerce. And so, I want to start off the top by playing a soundbite here. It's a couple minutes of Trump. If you're like me, I always enjoy listening to President Trump. So it's President Trump kind of laying the ground uh, rules, if you will, 
as to the next phase of this. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, and I get tired of this. I do get tired of this, even though I am conservative, not bitter. There might be an occasional eye roll inside my mind when I hear people say it's an either-or proposition. It's health or the economy, as though that's the way that the real world works. That's not the way that the real world works. We have to think about both of these things. We have to find a way to mitigate risks on a health front. We have to find a way to flatten and not just flatten, but turn down the curve so that we are not seeing an increase in cases. We're seeing decreases in in both new cases and in deaths. We have to begin to see actual real data, not models predicting God only knows what in the future. We have to be able to see that in reality. That's one side. The other side is how do we continue to make that a focus and a priority and also not watch the curve, if you will, in the economy, not just go down, but go straight down. How do we make it so that we can find a way to continue to run our run and operate our businesses, to continue having a source of income, to continue commerce and trade as freely as possible while managing the other side of this same coin. This is something that, again, I, I get a little tired of saying this. We've been saying this virtually from, from the beginning. And so this has to be done. And I applaud President Trump because I have to tell you, I don't know and I don't, I don't care today. I just, I don't care. I don't hear talk like this coming from really anywhere else. And that includes governors. Now, there might be a couple, but of course, I'm here in Indiana. I don't hear this coming out of the governor's office. I don't, I don't hear this. I, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't hear it. I don't see leadership. I see partnering and pairing up with, creating a consortium. And I understand where we are regionally. But, you know, uh, making a pact, if you will, with some ultra-leftist governors, I don't see an attempt to try to do and and echo what what President Trump is doing. Don't even care about it. I'm kind of sick of it, if I'm being quite frank. But anyway, so here's President Trump actually trying to push us towards some sort of reality, which says, hey, you know what, folks, In in order to live... In order to live in a uh, in a society, a free market, we've got to find a way to get back to work. We got to find a way to get there, and he's really and truthfully the only person doing this. And I applaud him. I I don't care if you hate the man for every other reason. You should applaud this because I'm going to tell you, looking back in the rearview mirror of what it of what we're going through now, when we look at this with the benefits of 20, uh, 2020 hindsight. We're going to say that this this pressure to get back, and again, it has to be done cautiously. It doesn't mean that we throw you know, all caution to the wind and we ignore the realities of how easy it is to transmit this disease, how contagious it is, and that sort of thing. It doesn't have – we have to still do that. But this, this healthy pressure towards getting back to reality will be applauded. In the, now, I mean, it depends on who writes the history books. <laughs> of course, there, there, there's some books that are already written on Trump, 
and they don't they don't include any applause. He's the worst, most dangerous president ever, and was one step away from Adolf Hitler. But those folks are uh, candidly boring to me. They're predictable, and it doesn't matter what Trump does. I've had a listener who said that even if Trump cures cancer, they would find a reason to be upset. Of course, I had to remind him that Biden's already cured cancer. He's going to do that. He's going to announce his plan in his first term, probably the first day uh, of, of his first term. No word yet on when Biden would cure COVID-19. Waiting to hear that, that announcement as well. But I think he's listed diabetes, and there's something else he's listed too, and it's, I'm drawing a blank. But Biden's got some things he's going to cure. And we know cancer's up there, and I'm sure COVID-19 uh, is up there as well. But you got to vote for him in order for that to happen. That's the little trick there. He's not going to share that information with anyone else unless he he is elected. Anyway, back in reality, back in reality, I want to share President Trump's comments on getting back to normal yesterday at the coronavirus task force briefing, the update at the White House. Here you go. Based on the latest data, our team of experts now agrees that we can begin the next front in our war, which we are calling opening up America again. And that's what we're doing. We're opening up our country. And we have to do that. America wants to be open, and Americans want to be open. We must have a working economy, and we want to get it back very, very quickly. And that's what's going to happen. Therefore, my administration is issuing new federal guidelines that will allow governors to take a phased and deliberate approach to reopening their individual states. I've dealt with them now a long time, and we've had a great relationship. Democrat, Republican, the relationship has been good. Our approach outlines three phases in restoring our economic life. We are not opening all at once, but one careful step at a time. And some states will be able to open up sooner than others. Healthy Americans will now be able to return to work as conditions on the ground allow. Instead of a blanket shutdown, we will pursue a focus on sheltering the highest risk individuals, so important. We're establishing clear scientific metric and benchmarks on testing, new case growth and hospital capacity that must be met before advancing to each phase. And that's each phase specifically in the reopening of our country. This is a gradual process as the caseload in a state continues to go down. Restrictions can continue to be eased and come off. Governors will be empowered to tailor an approach that meets the diverse circumstances of their own states. If they need to remain closed, we will allow them to do that. And if they believe it is time to reopen, we will provide them the freedom and guidance to accomplish that task and very, very quickly, depending on what they want to do. We are also encouraging states to work together to harmonize their regional efforts. We'll have numerous cases where states have worked and will be working very, very closely together.
Jiminy, I'm talking and didn't unmute my microphone. <laughs> that was a montage. Thank you, Politico. Politico put that together. Um, a series of statements taken from yesterday's press briefing, kind of summarizing where we stand on the issue of reopening our economy. It's the governors. It's the governors who are going to be leading this uh, leading this charge, which is which is good. Um, but again, especially in light of what we talked about early this week when there were some concerns about some comments Trump had made. The president of the United States, though, still has still has a, an interest, not just an interest here, some some power. The founders, while the president is not king, as Cuomo said earlier this week, the founders also didn't intend for the president to simply be a figurehead. The president has authority, as I was listening. I don't listen much uh, to any talk talk radio, but I tuned in briefly last night, last evening, to Mark Levin on my travels back home. My son and I went on a on a short little hike down at Morgan uh, Monroe, Morgan Monroe Forest, or whatever the technical name is. I call it the forestry, I think, around here locally. But anyhow, on our way back, we listened a little bit <clears throat> to Mark Levin talking about this, talking about, you know, this isn't an issue of, of, of federalism. In fact, I even talked about this and the role of the president. I mean, it is in the sense of determining who has the authority and the role, but he says that this is really about interstate commerce, and this is something that the president has control over. And so you've got the president basically leading, and, and that's Right now, the biggest thing I think he can offer is is this leadership, is this insistence upon getting back to normal, is this casting of a vision of hope. By the way, it's why it's good also for there to be press conferences, these updates, because if you rely upon the media to take what you're saying and represent it fairly in their news coverage, ain't ever going to happen. Never going to happen. They cannot, for the life of them, deal with this concept that president trump that president trump can do anything good they they have completely lost their their minds over this the media and so these press conferences are good and necessary even even when there's fighting with the press in fact i would maintain that that's a good thing not in the sense of a perfect world but if the starting point is we're dealing with people who are professional deceivers, they are professional deceivers in the media, large parts of them, not all of them, as Trump will even point out, but most of, most of you, and he'll point to the, to the audience and he'll say, the press, he'll say, very, very deceitful group. Some of you are okay, but most of you, very, very sneaky, bad bunch of people trying to misrepresent what I'm saying. So going in front of the media on a regular basis, talking about the vision of, of getting back to normal, talking about leading through this, keeping a healthy pressure on returning, returning back to, again, reality, normalcy, whatever that actually comes, you know, returns to look like specifically, we've got to get there. And you don't get there through weak, fearful leadership, and I applaud the president. And I wish, I call out to those who are in positions of leadership to join him in that regard. Forget about politics, forget about optics, forget about 
whatever else it is that you're worried about. Stop talking to your consultants about how this creates a, you know, I don't want to be closely aligned with President Trump on this politically for my reelection efforts, blah, blah, blah. Put your big boy and big girl pants on. Look, I've seen this from some governors. I mean, Gavin Newsom is a leftist, but I tell you, some of the things that I hear him say about Trump, he's he's largely, largely put a lot of politics aside here, and I applaud that. I want to see more of that. I think that he's done better at that than a lot of governors, uh, Republican governors have. Anyway, I got to get time out. A lot more to say about this. Be back here in just a minute. Welcome back. By the way, let me remind you that this program is brought to you in part by the good folks at Economy Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. And I know, I know we're at a point in uh, this country where there's economic pressures, uh, there's uncertainty, and I just, well, I'm going to do um, a better job of, of pointing out some of those who make this program possible. And just uh, ask that you, if you're, you know, looking, if you're air conditioning as we get into the, getting into the warmer months here, if your air conditioning needs needs tuned up or looked at as we get into this busy season, consider helping uh, stimulate the economy. Consider looking uh, to those that have made this program possible, and at least give them an opportunity to earn earn your business uh, business. John Woods has done a great uh, – he, he's, a, he's a good, good man. He owns Economy, heating, air conditioning, and plumbing. Gotten uh, to know John pretty well here over the past uh, the past several years now. Economyheatingandair.com is their website. That's economyheatingandair.com. I want to take a little bit of a divergence, and we'll get back to specifically the, the plans for reopening the economy. But I want to read – um, at least a portion. This was tweeted out yesterday by Governor Pritzker, Illinois. I want to read this. It's a press release, I guess. Chicago. Today, uh, today Governors J.B. Pritzker, Illinois, Gretchen Whitmer, M- uh, Michigan, Mark DeWine, Ohio, Tony e- uh, Evers, Evers, Wisconsin, Tim Walls, Minnesota, Eric Holcomb, Indiana, and Andy Bashir, Kentucky, <laughs> um, announced that they will work in close coordination with uh, to reopen the economy in the Midwest region. The governor said, we are doing everything we can to protect our states and slow the spread of COVID-19, and we are eager to work together to mitigate the economic crisis. Where are we here? To mitigate uh, the economic crisis this virus has caused in our region. Here in the Midwest, we are bound by our commitment to our people and the community. We recognize that our economies are reliant, all reliant on each other, and we must work together to safely reopen them so hardworking people can get back to work and businesses can get back on their feet. And no problems with this. Right. This is, I mean, kind of the standard political talk and how you 
uh, talk about these things in general. Although hardworking, uh, yeah, that, that's that's all good. Today we are announcing that Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Indiana, and Kentucky will work in close coordination to reopen our economies in a way that prioritizes our workers' health. We look forward to working with experts and taking a fact-based, data-driven approach to reopening our economy in a way uh, that protects families from the spread of COVID-19. Our number one priority when analyzing when best to reopen our economy is the health and safety of our citizens. We will make decisions based on facts, science, and recommendations from health uh, experts in healthcare, business, labor, and education. We will closely examine at least four factors when determining when best to reopen our economy. Sustain control of the rate of new infections and hospitalizations. Enhanced ability to trace, uh, to test and trace, sufficient healthcare capacity to handle resurgence, and the best practices for social distancing in the workplace. Phasing in sectors of our economy will be most effective when we work together as a region. This doesn't mean our economy will reopen all at once or that every state will take the same steps at the same time, but close coordination will ensure. We get this right over time. People will go back to work. Restaurants will reopen and things will go back to normal. We look forward to working together as one region to tackle this challenge together. I don't know how much one region it is. I don't really consider whatever. I mean, look, I don't have a problem with this per se. But I do think let's look at why these groups of governors actually first started to appear. They first started to appear. There were two groups. You know this. There were two groups. There were the West Coast states, Washington, Oregon, California, and there was a group of Northeastern states. I'm not sure which ones exactly were a part of that, but these were all Democrat Democrat states. This was originally done, not this one per se, and I'm not saying there's other rationale. There's not other rationale. I'm saying there that there is, but these were originally put into place as kind of opposition to President Trump's leadership. This is this was uh, politically to say, look, this guy, off the rails. This guy uh, is, is basically saying he's a dictator. We can't do anything. He's uh, he has absolute force and power and all this sort of stuff. We're gonna we're gonna create our own little group here to basically um, you know to to fill the void of leadership and i don't look everything trump's done is not perfect but again my goodness i don't know where the the even when i read this even when i read this it there needs to be more push there needs to be more strong talk on getting back getting the economy back we have to i understand that hey that's the stated purpose here we're trying to reopen yes we get that it's about safety we get that it's about the health of citizens and i even understand here when i read this one statement uh, looking you know making decisions based upon facts these things are supposed to be backhanded in in democrat liberal circles the president is anti-fact. The president, everything he says is a lie. I mean, I don't even know what the number is now. They'll tell you over 20,000-some-odd lies. And all this stuff, talk about kind of a code talk and dog whistle to their to the base, 
That's what this. That's what a lot of this language is. And so, this is where my problem comes. I, I think that you should, if I was a Republican governor, say, "Look, I'm going to work with with our other states. We're going to work together closely. We're also going to work under you know with the administration. They have assets and tools, and they're casting a vision for this nation as a whole. I think the president has done a good job with X, Y, and Z, and we're going to continue." Continue to, to work in that in that manner versus simply just coming out with a blanket statement that includes Governor Gretchen Whitmer, whose citizens, to some degree, are a half step away from revolting against some of the things that she's done. I mean, no word on that. No word on, hey, you know what? Some of the steps that some states are taking, we're not we're not down with. We're not we're not looking to go that direction. We're looking to get back to unmitigated freedom in this country again. We're going to find a way to get back there as quickly as possible. We're going to find a way to reopen this economic engine. We need to see this economy cut loose. And we're going to talk about that side of the equation too. And I get it, health and safety, very important, number one. But we have to push to get there, not recklessly, but I'm telling you, again, if President Trump wasn't doing this, I don't think we'd be talking about this yet. I really don't. That's just me. Got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So what are... What are the guidelines, the new guidelines? We've had the social distancing guidelines produced by the administration and the task force for some time. You've seen President or Vice President Mike Pence holding these up at uh, the little one-page sheet. I think it's two-sided. The steps uh, to keeping you safe and reducing the spread of coronavirus. Now there's new There's the other side of this, which is uh, the economic side of this three-phase plan. And in essence, and I'm looking here at article from AP News, I didn't – the way this is – well, there's not really a uh, condensed soundbite, I guess, for this. But the three-phase plan is as follows. Phase one, plan recommends strict social distancing for all people in public. Gatherings larger than 10 people are to be avoided, and non-essential travel is discouraged. Phase 2, people are encouraged to maximize social distancing and limit gatherings to no more than 50 people unless precautionary measures are taken. Travel could travel could resume. Number 3, or Phase 3, this is where there's uh, the vision of returning to normalcy for most most Americans with the focus on identification and isolation of any new infections. I mean, this is, I guess in one respect, um, nothing, nothing earth-shattering, right? I mean, this is, I think, pretty common. Uh, it's common sense. This is where these are kind of the steps that we have to take regionally local or locally regionally nationally depending upon the circumstances in your particular your particular area and so 
in order to get there, there have to be some <clears throat> some um, some data that comes out. Some data that comes out, and there, there's tools. I'm looking here at a map. Um, it's a pretty comprehensive county by county map of this great nation. I'll post this to Facebook during uh, during the break, and if you scroll down to the bottom of this, you'll see you'll see counties. Every county in America, and you'll see, for example, Marion County in Indiana, 164 deaths, 3,320 cases that are confirmed, deaths per 100,000, <clears> excuse me, 17.36, cases per 100,000, 351.5. So, you can you can go county by county and look at this and see what the incidence, the, the, the case rate is, and what the uh, the death rate is in your particular county. And so, um, the government is saying, look, and again, common sense at this point, we want to see these numbers coming down. We want to see hospitalizations, which also is not in this in this particular map, but hospitalizations come down because the initial there's look a lot of I still think that we're the human mind is only capable of of comprehending so much, and we've had a lot of information thrown at us about something that we can't see, something we don't necessarily have an understanding of, and I'm not just talking about. Average Americans, the, the the doctors and the scientists. There's you'll every day you'll see information on whether or not this disease can be transmitted through X, Y, or Z. Should you should you wash down your groceries before you bring them home? Should you run behind someone at the park? Are you better off running uh, at a forty five degree angle to them, or whatever the case may be? Not at least not directly behind them. What if they sneeze? Is that going to come back and spread germs to me what if the wind's blowing in another direction i mean you know what, what's a sneeze look like in a in a supermarket and you see some graphic as to how it spreads all over the place in a supermarket i'm not even saying that this is accurate i'm just saying that we see all these things it's hard to process them we try to rely upon people in positions of authority and um you know there's there's problems there too. I mean, they don't have they don't have answers for this. They don't have uh, capacity to deal with this. We've we've had a lot of things exposed from supply chains to our readiness in in states, uh, readiness at a federal level. All these things have been exposed, and we're going to learn a lot, learn a lot from this. So this is this is something that is. I think hard to comprehend. There's going to be, you know, we're not going to forget this. We're not going to forget this. We're going to remember probably where we were when we first heard that our states, our respective states had been shut down or whatever. We're going to remember this. Our children, we have still relatively young children, 10, 8, and 6. They've handled this very well. But at the same time, you know, they have they have questions. My my son's birthday's in in June. He's asked on a couple of occasions, end of June, June twenty eighth. Dad, will I be able to have my birthday party, buddy? I don't know. You may not be able to have your birthday party until you're sixteen. I don't. I don't know at this point. Now that's hyperbole there, but there is a degree of uncertainty, the unknown. We don't. 
We don't know. And so a lot of this we're still trying to get our brains around and figure uh, specifically how to get out of get out of this. But anyway, this is all positive. To me, this is positive in the sense that there's now some degree of of a uh, you know system criteria checklist a frame framework by which we can begin to move out of this crisis situation so but i'll post this uh i'll post this on our facebook page if you want to see the county by county map situation and you, and you can look just at a snapshot you can see that there's large swaths um of america that's not that's that's not affected by this and so that's why, of course, having a coordinated federal response but giving, giving the states the ability to make their own local decisions is a good thing. And that's why federalism federalism is a, is a good thing as well, even though this isn't all about federalism. There's, as Mark Levin pointed out, there's the issue of interstate commerce. There's this idea that while the president is not king, and that is absolutely true, the president does have, does have power in it. In a time of crisis, the president has even uh, maybe a healthy degree of power, a healthier degree of power. I don't want to say healthy. It could be. We have to have the ability to make decisions while balancing uh, the risks of putting too much power in one individual or one branch of government. So I'll post this. You can take a look at what your county looks like, but I've got to take a break here. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So another thing that's important in this particular time of uncertainty, crisis, health care crisis, economic crisis, is this issue with the payroll protection program. The money, the money vanished yesterday. The money is gone from that particular program. Banks and the SBA announced this uh, sometime yesterday. We could see this coming earlier in the week, and I want to share. <laughs> I want to share something. I got a phone call from somebody, friend of mine, and uh, he had applied for the payroll protection program. He told me, and I'm not going to name his bank, but he told me that he was the very first to apply at his particular bank branch, bank branch. And he, they, the reason he knows this is because they told him. I think he actually applied. He, his bank was maybe quicker on the draw. Some of these banks were delayed. Um, but he said, hey, this is, um, you know, you're the first person to apply. I think he may have even had it the, a day before it was announced, maybe the Thursday before that Friday it was supposed to be announced because the different banks were taking applications at different times. And they told him this, hey, you're the very first one in our in our branch with an application so he thought great so he goes about his business you know running his business here the past past couple of weeks um starts to see that the you know the money is is vanishing he still hadn't heard hadn't gotten an update which a lot of folks hadn't um it's it's um it's very difficult to get updates 
on things like this, depending upon where you bank in particular. In fact, it may be impossible, maybe impossible in some instances to get any information. But anyway, he says he ends up talking with his bank and they tell him you didn't get it's not that you're you didn't not get approved it's that you didn't you weren't uh, you didn't make the cutoff and he's like well how am i not at the cutoff when i was you told me i was the first person at your bank branch to submit an application and after some pushing and some conversation <laughs> this particular uh, individual essentially said um without saying it directly that the banks were getting compensated for this and i suspected this at some point in this process as well but the banks got a percentage now i've been told from someone in the industry someone who's um who specializes in helping get businesses funded not just through this program but through other other programs he's uh, pretty sharp and deals with lots of banks. He's he's told me that for the smaller loans, for the smaller loans, banks were getting around five percent uh, processing fee. For the larger loans, they were getting a smaller percentage. But some of these were really big. And so, basically, what the banker told my friend, and if I told you the number, the number that he had applied for, and based upon the formula was qualified for you wouldn't think that that was necessarily a small amount but basically they said look you're um you're not going to get you're not going to get this because you know the the banks process the the bigger loans first because there was a bigger a bigger payout and i suspected this i don't even necessarily fault them i get but at some point there's something there's something wrong with this equation when um you know if, I guess if that was the criteria, we should have we should have known that. So my question is just now: what happens? There's no money in this. We're still not allowed to operate effectively our businesses in many ways, or at least there's dramatic differences because not just because of coronavirus, because of the steps that we've taken. And again, they may be justifiable, but you can't deny that the steps have caused businesses difficulty. And so now what? Congress is over there fighting about God only knows what, how much, how many more of Nancy Pelosi's pet projects or whatever are going to get funded. But there's no money left. What are these businesses like his, like many other small businesses, supposed to do during this time? Got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. here behind the scenes giving me a hard time because of a i knew i said it at the moment um but i was talking about getting business back to normal earlier and i said business <laughs> business back to normal now i might talk about say that uh privately to be silly let's get back to business uh, but i normally don't say that uh, on the radio so that was a slip of the tongue but i do find it definitely uh entertaining in oz's finding a way to poke fun at me about that. So it's hurt my feelings here behind the scene. But anyway, um, here we are coming to a swift end of hour number two, of our hour number one, heading into hour number two here 
at the Todd Huff program. I hope you have, uh, hope you have a great weekend. Look, I appreciate. I, I know that things are different for you, um, your schedules, your concerns, your maybe your work situation. All these things have have been impacted. You're know, learning if you have children how to homeschool and tutor, and all sorts of things are different to you. I hope that we can help uh, navigate that with you and give you some things to listen to that are both entertaining and informational but guys i've got to go thanks for listening sdg see you soon take care